Hello and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. I've got to keep all of you adults somehow engaged as well as you, you. Come. Do we still have a whiteboard or is that not? No, gone. Yeah, could someone maybe try to track that down and if it's not clean, could we clean it? I want to do something on it. If we don't, then I'm just going to have to like use my hands a lot more than I usually do. But maybe I'll use you. Okay. So I'll just say this right from the beginning. Merry Christmas. Very happy to um, be with you on this day, and thanks for coming and being a part of us today on Christmas Eve. And as I think about Christmas, and I think about you know being able to share with you for a few minutes about this, and my kids have warned me very specifically to be done at least on time, if not early today. <laughs> Would anybody else appreciate that? Anyway. Uh, so I'm going to do my best to be concise because I know you don't want me to talk for an hour, no. right? No. <laughs> At least without a recess involved. Yeah. If there was a recess involved, we'd be okay, right? Yeah. Maybe we should do that. Like have a five-minute or ten-minute recess right in the middle of this. What do you think? Yeah, yeah? see? Just for the elementary kids, not for the parents, no. not for the adults? No. Okay, Played all. Bring some seesaws in, a couple swings. Anyway, so it, um, to just back up with this Bible school, I know not many of you have been involved in the Bible school, but those of you that have, I just want to honor Barry and Jay Stolliper for doing another great semester of the Bible school this year. And as I'm thinking about Christmas, I can't help but say that Christmas didn't start in the Gospels. Christmas started way back in Genesis, and I, it pains me to say that because it feels like everything Jay ever talks about starts in Genesis, but it's true. It's what it actually means, but it's true. When God breathed into Adam, it says that Adam became a living soul, and that, in my opinion, is the beginning of incarnation, and I think biblically, oh, great. How many guys does it take I just said, I just said, yeah, you can stay. Okay. Put it over here. Yeah. Put it there. Yeah. You could do a joke about that, right? So Christmas started in Genesis because the whole idea of Christmas is Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean, kids? What did you say? Did someone say it? God Christmas. with Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> He's been saying Christmas the whole time. God with us. <laughs> Would you stop? Someone control this child. God with us. That has been the plan all along. It didn't start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It started way back even before Genesis. It said that he thought about us and literally made a plan so that he would be with us forever. That's been the plan. That's why this natural life is not the end. 
This natural life is just the beginning of the, the rest of eternity. Whether you like it or not, you will exist forever. How do you feel about that? Ooh, some of you are like, eh? no, you want to exist forever because the beautiful prize at the end of this natural life is what you're seeing through a mirror darkly right now. You will eventually see face to face. This hope, like your mom, Jason, is now looking at Jesus face to face. Isn't that incredible? Now we just worship Jesus and we were imagining maybe at different times, anybody have that when they're worshiping, like what it might look like in heaven while you're worshiping? Or like, I like to do this. I like often when I'm worshiping, I like to try to imagine the face of the Lord. And oftentimes when I'm able to picture his face, I just see like the pleasure of the Father receiving the glory from us that he so freely gave to us. It's like, oh, they're giving a little back to me. Any dad, any mom in this room, we've talked about this before, like if we could just get the kids for 30 seconds to tell us how great we are, right? Go tell mom how great she is for 30 seconds. You did not. So that's what we're going to be doing. And it's going to be so easy to do it. Here, there's all the distractions and all, there's, there's all the flesh and there's all the other stuff that's going on that makes worship somewhat of a more difficult or, or a challenge. But man, when we are seeing him face to face, it will be like breathe in, breathe out. It'll be so natural. It'll be such an absolute, why would we not do this all the time thing? And I think, you know, the more we can walk in this life now doing that, like I honestly, I think this life that we're living right now is just practice. Like the whole point of this, Jesus said, when he taught the disciples how to pray, remember this one little phrase, he says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this, this kind of Christian idea, and it's been preached for, I think, a little too long, where it's going to be okay because you're going to go to heaven someday. We've all heard this, right? Yeah. Actually, it's going to be okay because there's people that are absolutely convinced that their purpose in life is to bring that heaven here. Hello? Like, that's the real goal. And if you ask me, Christmas is this incredible picture of that. So I want to tell you like a couple foundational things before I just give you a really simple, it's going to be super simple, I promise. Yeah. But I want to give you a couple really quick like foundational pieces here. I believe that when Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary, that he didn't come from heaven into earth. Okay, this is just some foundational stuff. Now you don't have to agree with this, but I would highly suggest you do. I believe heaven came with him. Because wherever the king is, that's where the kingdom is. Wherever the king is, that's where the throne is. Okay? And so I believe, that's why the, all the angels showed up on the mountain, and the shepherds were all like, yeah, all the heavens showed up because Jesus showed up, and because of the fact that, I, I, it's not a relocation, because really heaven is all around us all the time. It was the original uh, 
atmosphere of earth. If you go read Genesis, it says that the birds flew in the expanse of the heavens. Did anybody ever have a bird fly right into their car or into a window of their house? That's a really freaky thing, right? Like you're just sitting in your house, you hear this bonk. Anybody ever hear that? Yeah, and it says that the birds fly in the expanse of the heavens. That be, Oh, and they poop on. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Thank you. You can't have a good service without kids and poop, right? It's got to be said at least once. So heaven's goal has always been to be here, stay here, remain here. And I believe Christmas is this picture of heaven coming near, so desiring to be close to the crown of all creation, which is you. You're the crown of all creation. Psalm 8 says that you were made just a little lower than Elohim, who is your God, your Father. Okay, so one other little quick foundational thing is I don't believe in this separate mentality that God sent another person called his son. And God the Father stayed up in heaven and watched as Jesus lived for 33 or so years on the earth, okay? I don't believe that. I believe that God the entire time was where? In Jesus. Hello? This is really important. Now, again, you don't have to agree with this, but I highly suggest you do because everything starts to make sense if God is actually, or sorry, if Jesus is actually God and not just his son. Really important. So everything else I'm going to talk about today is based on those two fundamentals, that heaven has always been here because Jesus came here. And where the king is, that's where the kingdom is. And if the throne of heaven came and enthroned itself inside of a virgin named Mary, that's where the center of heaven is. And I believe that God came as the person of Jesus. And here's the incredible thing. And I want to go to John 1 and look at this a little bit because God so desperately wanted to be known and understood. And he wanted to be close to his children. There is no good mom or dad that doesn't want to be close to their children all the time. Now, don't get me wrong. There's going to be times where a good mom or dad needs a break. All y'all, all you parents, someone say amen in this room. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to give your mom a break, but she needs one. And the, and the way you can give her one is by shh. You might want to do it right now, just a little bit less. Okay. Very good. John 1, you guys with me? Are we on the board? Okay. In the beginning, by the way, the word beginning in the original language is the beginning. Like it wasn't, like there's nothing before that. This is it. In the beginning, there was someone that was already existing. This is really important. The original language here does not talk about that suddenly God showed up in the beginning. And this is something that your and my natural mind is going to be a little hard to grasp because the beginning means that previous to the beginning there was nothing, but not the case with God. Okay? And this is where limited natural minds tend to get blown a little bit. That before there was nothing, there was still God. This is really important. Okay? That means when you feel like nothing, there's still God. When you feel like there's no more hope, when you feel like there's nothing left, when you feel like you have no future, pause, because before there was a beginning, there was God. In the beginning, 
Say was. Was, which means, that's a past tense word, which means in the beginning there was someone that existed before. In the beginning was the, the word. Okay, that's the word logos. It has the root word of lego in it, and lego as in the little blocks that kids play with, or adults. I mean, adults love to still play legos. Love it, right? It is so much fun until you step on one. In the beginning was the word. And I want to talk about this word for a second because it's the word logos and it means the thought and its expression. Okay? So every single one of us in this room have taken our thoughts and made them a reality. Okay? How many people have thought of something and then wrote it down? How many people have thought of something and then drawn it? Yeah. How many people have thought of something and then built it? That's where the word Lego comes from. The word Lego, that's, if you actually go back into the history of the Legos, it's like this guy was like, I know what the word means in the Greek. I want you to take your imagination and I want you to use these blocks and build what you see. Isn't that pretty cool? See, y'all learned something today. Y'all go home with that. Right. So the word logos, the word word, is that this word was back before anything was, and it had a desire to be expressed. It didn't just want to remain this weird, like ethereal, invisible thought that never materialized into anything. This word logos, that's why every, throughout the New Testament it says Jesus is the word of God, not the Bible. The Bible didn't exist here at this point. This is the Word who is the person of God. So, in the beginning was the Word, its thought and expression, its motive and its reasonings. Its desire is to be known, revealed, and made manifest. That means that back before any of us existed, God wanted to be known, wanted to eventually show up. In fact, we read somewhere else in the Bible that it says that before the foundation of the world that the Lamb of God was crucified, which means back before all this stuff ever happened, the entire plan was already in place that he was going to show up and live and then die on our behalf. It's incredible that he thought about all this and then made Denver, then made Kendall. It's powerful. Okay, so he wanted to be known. Next verse, verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. Now that sounds, there's some of that language, that separation language, and it sounds like uh, that the Word and God were different, that they were two separate creatures. But if you actually look at that word in the original language, the word with, it is actually a descriptor of forward direction. It's toward. The word actually is, and the word was toward. The word was toward something or someone. The idea was not so much that the word was with God, but the word was turned or the word was faced or the word was in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like face to face. There's another word I'm thinking of, but interacting with. So if you think about the Trinity in this way, I think it's going to be really helpful. If you think about God as Father, think about God the Father as like the heart of God. Like the character, the nature, the thoughts, all of the desire and will of God. That's the Father, okay? And it's actually, if you, I, I could go into all the Greek with you on that, but I, I really just want to stick to that because I want to get to this little drawing I want to do on the board. But if you think of God as 
father. You think of him as the heart. You think of him as the thoughts. You think of him as like the very core of who God is. And then Jesus, the son, is the, the expression of all of those thoughts. So back to the Legos. So as you build, your thoughts become a reality out here. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is the manifested version of the invisible God. In fact, if we go to... I'm sorry, I'm jumping around in my notes here. Give me just a moment. Colossians 1.15, Anderson, I didn't give that to you. So I'm just going to read it to you. Colossians 1 verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Again, strange language, but this is a human being trying to express what it means who Jesus is. The firstborn, it's a Greek word I'm not even going to try to tell you, but it means to be first to be brought forth, the first to be presented. In other words, Jesus is the first time we get to see God for who he actually is. No more guessing. No more listening to someone else talk about him. No more wondering. No more imagining like we are in worship here. We get to see God as he actually is. That's what it means to be firstborn in this verse. It's the word prototokos. And it means to actually for the first time see what used to always be invisible. Hello? Okay. So the idea here in Christmas, the idea of the incarnation is the idea that God wanted to be known so much so that he, in Ephesians it says this, that he left his divinity. He poured out his divinity and became human. Okay? I submit this to you. I think <laughs> that emptying yourself of divinity and becoming human was a greater sacrifice than the cross. Just think about it for a minute. Think about for if you existed before the beginning, perfect, divine. All you ever had was angels around you all the time singing about how incredible you are. Because that's what's going on in heaven. And then you choose of your own volition because you're seeing the pain and the suffering of your children. And you're realizing that this is what I'm going to do. You think about giving all of that up and feeling everything you and I feel. Hello? I think that was a greater sacrifice, more pain. (laughs) Think about the things you feel. And it says that how you have been tempted in every way, Jesus was tempted in those ways. And this is one that had no reason to feel any of that. But he chose to feel it all in order to be a compassionate father and to take it all on himself for us. Guys, if you ask me, Christmas and the incarnation is a greater sacrifice than him hanging on the cross. And as powerful as the cross is for me, it only makes sense because of the incarnation at Christmas. That desire to be known and understood and to be embraced by people by the humanity that he had spoken into existence, that he had breathed into Adam and then saw all of his children begin to come forth. Even through the flood and all of the terrible rebellion that we read about in the Old Testament, there is still this faithful God 
walking with us. And then it says, at the appointed time, God comes as the Son. He became you. He became me. He became all of us so that he might understand and eventually redeem and heal all of us. Something else I wanted to say, because it just, it's a thought that I've had for a while here. I, I feel like Jesus coming as a baby is really significant. Because he could have come as all kinds of things. He could have come as just a full-grown man, you know, just showing up like Melchizedek. If you guys know that story of Melchizedek, it says he had no parents, he had no genealogy. It's like the guy just shows up in the middle of the, actually near the beginning of the Old Testament, to Abraham. You guys know the story of Melchizedek a little bit? Anyway, okay. He just shows up. If you ask me, I think it's a picture of Jesus just showing up, wanting to be known, teaching Abram how to be a father, just shows up in the middle of that. But no, not, not Jesus. I think he shows up as a babe on purpose. And I think that's how he shows up to each one of us. I think he shows up as innocently and as purely as possible. I just want you to think about when you first met the Lord, how incredibly gentle he was with you. Yeah, unassuming. How he was just like with you. There was no like, I'm going to make you change right this second. And now if you felt that, I want to promise you that was religion doing that to you, not the person of the Lord. Because the person of the Lord shows up gentle and kind. Now he doesn't show up like wanting food like a baby does. But the point of the, the baby part is the gentleness and the purity and the it's almost like he comes with no pretense and no um, expectations, even though children have a lot of them. But this one comes with this unbelievable sense of, you can't help but like me. Like, how many people see a baby and are like, I don't like that one? <laughs> I mean, they could have some qualities that you might not like. But seriously, pretty much every time you see a baby, your heart does what? Uh-huh, that noise right there. Aw. Like every woman in this room, you felt that. Like, oh, let me hold him. You know? And that's exactly why I think he came that way. It's like there's something on the inside of us that goes, I want to hold him. I want him to be a part of me. I want to be a part of that. It's almost like it's this unbelievably... Uh, uh, something like desire to be held. Like I, I, I'm being so invited. Like you can't help it, but I want to be a part of that. I think that's why he came that way because it's just like, I can't help but wait, but he a part of that. It's such an easy way to enter. And I know that we've had all these verses about the door to the kingdom is small and all that. I believe that comes later. I believe your redemption and your healing starts with the gentleness of God coming and saying, I understand. And I believe that's the beginning of Christmas. I think the story of the incarnation is God coming so innocently to say to every one of you, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter if you're being bullied at school, no matter if you don't know what to do with your finances, I believe the Lord is showing up in different moments saying, I get it. And I'm with you in this. 
Now, as the process unfolds and you walk with him more, then you start to see some stuff that needs to change in your life, okay? And I think you see that same thing as you walk with Jesus through the Gospels. Okay, so now I'm going to draw for a second because I'm going to try to honor my family. All right, so we said that this all started in Genesis, right? Jay? Okay, so uh, what did I, I want to make sure I, I don't want to do too much. Okay, so in Genesis, God makes man. What's the specific phrase he uses? God makes man, what was that? Human, Human but it's in his image, correct? What does that mean, guys? What does it mean to make man in God's image? Look like him. What else does that mean? Make him, make him okay, make him human. What does it mean to make God and make man in God's image? Act like him. Anybody else? Character? Loving. Caring. Forgiving. Caring. Caring. Do you guys know that before you felt all the other stuff that comes along with being human, you were made to be caring, kind, loving. That's your original identity. You had to learn how to be mad at me. You had to learn how to be angry. You had to learn how to be offended. But you didn't have to learn how to love. That was who you were created to be. Back before you were unloving, you were loving. Back before you were hard, you were soft. Come on, all you softies in there. Before expectations were like, you were disappointed because someone didn't meet your expectations, you just had anticipation. This is one of my favorite things about God. If you want to point, I'm just going to give you my favorite characteristic of God is that he anticipates, not expects. Think about the difference between those two things. Anticipation is, I can't wait to see what happens. Expectation is, this better happen. You guys hear the difference? But God, your father, is just like, she woke up today. What's going to happen? But all of us, once we see somebody or we think of somebody, well, they didn't do this. They walked right by me again. Hello? Come on, y'all have them. Ah, uh, church wasn't this again for me. Maybe I should go try out another one. Hello? <laughs> this is fun, right? What happened to Christmas? But this God made us in his image, and that image is, Dan is here today. What's Dan going to say? What's Dan going to do? I can't wait to see what's possible through Dan. Hello? Could you imagine having that attitude toward every person in your life? Ron and Ethelon just showed up. Yay! What's going to happen today? To just think about a culture where everyone cannot wait to see what happens through everybody else. You know what that does to everybody else? They begin to believe that incredible things are possible where? Through them. That's just one of my favorite characteristics of the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to draw a circle here. 
And I know it's not going to be a good circle, so no one laugh at me. But we all know what happens in the middle of this arrow. God makes man in his image. Let me just get these words right so I don't do so much. I wrote the word breaks, but there's probably a better word here. You guys can come up with it. But I would say maybe covers the image. And I want to specifically say apart from relationship. So we know what happens here. Man starts making some decisions about himself and about the world apart from relationship. Don't forget, the entire point of Genesis when he first made man was he was like, we're going to be together. And we're going to do incredible things together. And I'm going to walk with you and you're going to walk with me. And we're going to be face to face and we're going to always be together. And we're going to make everything beautiful on this earth. This is our house. This earth is our house. And we're going to just build and we're going to grow. And we're going to just do incredible things on this thing called the earth. And then man eventually says, you know, I think we can do some pretty great things on our own. And man has a susceptibility to forget about where he came from. Anybody else? I promise you, you all forget about where you came from. That's where a lack of honor starts to take place. You forget about honoring mom and dad. You forget about honoring other people in your life. You forget about how you are where you are today, probably because of so many people's sacrifices, words of wisdom, things that they had done. You forgot about a long time ago, but you are where you are. I am where I am because of incredible people. And we forget about that and we begin to mar the image of where we came from. That's exactly what happens here. And you do that apart from relationship with the one who made you. This is sin, guys, right here. This is sin. There's no other simple definition from sin than when you mar the image of how you were originally made. And you only can do that apart from relationship with God. It's the only way to do that. Okay? Now, here's the other thing that's really... This is a result of man marring or breaking the image of God is man becomes ruled by what he was designed to rule. The Bible says that we began to be ruled by the elemental things of this world. I'm going to give you a perfect example of that. When your eyes see something, do they immediately make you feel something? When you hear something, let's say someone says something about someone, do you begin to believe it? Hello? Being ruled by the elemental things of this world means that you are influenced by that which you were meant to influence. You were designed by God back here to have dominion. Everything you see, everything you smell, everything you taste, everything you touch, all those senses were not made to tell you what to do. You were designed by God to rule over everything that's now telling you what to do. In any way, shape, or form, if you hear something, see something, and it changes you. We've all done this. 
We've all fallen tempting, tempted to this. We become ruled by what we were designed to rule. And that's how the earth gets corrupt. Because he or she who was designed to rule is now being ruled by what she or he were meant to rule. Do you guys get that? Did you understand what I just said? Because if you didn't understand what I just said, I want to say it again. Okay, you didn't. Were you listening and just didn't get it? You were listening. Okay, so I'm going to try to be more specific in this example. I'm going to be really like overly simple here, okay? How many people have had like a small uh, cup or piece of cake or dessert or something like that? How many people have had it before? How many people thought to themselves, there's still three quarters of a cake over there? And I think I could fit another piece in. Anybody? Okay. All right. How many people do it more than they wish they would have? That is you being ruled by something you were meant to rule over. You get that? Okay, you got that. All right. Guys, just take that simple example and blow it up. Nations are doing that. Kings, business people, politicians in our hometown are doing that. They think, oh, that's, and they begin to be ruled by greed, by lust. Look, every one of those words can be turned around to something beautiful. Like your desire is a good word. Want is a good word. You were meant to have those words and you were meant to feel those things, but you were never meant to be ruled by those things that you desire. Hello? Are you guys with me? Okay, so this is what happens after God makes man in his image. And I want to tell you something. God is never ruled by what he's meant to rule over. Ever. As good of a dad as he is, he responds to his children, but he doesn't let his children rule over him. Ooh, parents might need to hear that one. Parents, you are meant to respond to your children, but never let them rule you. Ooh, okay, I'll let that one sit. I don't, that'll be a fun one to talk about around Christmas dinner. Okay, now this is at the bottom. You guys probably can't see this. But then we were in John 1. We were already there. God reveals himself. Re, oops. Reveals himself as flesh, as human flesh. That's actually what the phrase is in the original language. It's flesh. I mean, he puts on all the stuff that we have on, and he feels everything we're feeling. And he, this is a really important point. I know it's at the bottom here, but I want you guys to just hear this. I want it on the board. Shows how nothing rules him. You name one thing while Jesus walked the earth that ruled him. Not a thing. Did he respond? Did he have compassion? Remember how he was up on the mountain and he looked over Jerusalem and he said, oh, how I long to gather you. That was a response to their brokenness, a response to the fact how they were so scattered and he only wanted to do was bring them in, but he never let them rule him. 
but he responded to their brokenness. He responded to their pain, and he actually shows up, and this is the beautiful thing I love about God coming as flesh, is he shows us what it was really meant to be human. I am so thankful for Christmas because God is like, guys, I know I've talked to you about this. I know I tried to give you some things on, you know, tablets, and I tried to pass it down through your moms and grandmas and all this stuff. But let me just show you, this is what it means to be human. Watch this. And that's why the Bible says that there's only one way to the Father. He's not trying to tell all the other religions you suck. He's trying to say, this is me. Don't look anywhere else. This is me. I am doing it right here. I am God. That's the only reason why he says that. He says that because I am showing up. I am taking the responsibility of all of your brokenness, and I'm going to feel it all, and I'm still going to walk the way I designed you to walk way up here. Isn't that incredible? This is Christmas. Christmas is God showing us how to be who we were always meant to be. From baby to 33. Now all of you are over the 33. Like, what do I do with 34? Watch the first 33. Repeat. <laughs> Seriously. Hey, everything you learned, needed to learn, you learned where? Kindergarten. There's a book that when I was a kid, do you remember that book? Everything I needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten. It's true. Okay, so what's next? So, and now I'm going beyond Christmas. God heals the image he had always intended. <clears throat> and he did it through the cross and resurrection. This is powerful stuff, man. I'm going beyond Christmas, but you guys started singing forever, which had Easter all in it, so this is your fault, Denver. But it, this is, like, for me, you can't separate Christmas from Easter. Like, I know we do, so that we can have, a, you know, multiple services where a bunch of people show up, but the reality is it's all one big story to him. This is all the redemption. The redemption starts here. The redemption doesn't start on the cross. Actually, redemption starts before Genesis, but we get to see it, not invisible, but visible starting here all the way to here. The point is, I want to show you what it's like to be human every way, and then I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to make sure that what you broke and you messed up, I will heal. Then we spend the rest of our lives walking with him, and here is the incredible thing that's never happened until here is that he puts his very spirit, the third part of this Trinity thing, and this is where I want to get to. The heart of God is the Father. The revealed heart of God is the Son. And then he is so absolutely desiring to be known and to make sure that that image never gets marred again, that he takes himself, makes himself invisible again, and then puts himself right into Jason. Just gets in there. Oh, he does it all the time to you. Yeah, yeah, and you don't like it sometimes because he is just like in your stuff. Like, have you ever felt guilt? 
Actually, guilt is not bad. Guilt is not bad. Guilt is, oh, that wasn't the image of my father. Turn, repent, poof, go back. Hello? This is really important. Have you ever felt incredible love for somebody, but you're just like, I can't quite get to the point where I can express it? Anybody? Let me ask you the question. What keeps you from expressing the love you have for people? Shout it out. Fear? Rejection. Rejection. What happens if I express it and they're just like, it's taken the wrong way. Somebody else. What's keeping us from this expression of love? Hurt. Hurt people. Last couple of weeks prior to this, I was talking about forgiveness. And the actual definition of forgiveness is to be able to see someone separate from their, their wrongdoings and their behavior and to see them purely the way God sees them. You and I struggle to see each other clearly because we're seeing each other through what people have said or done in the past. Hello? Or worse, they remind us of someone else who were crappy to us in the past, so I'm going to treat them the same way. Oh, you've never done that, huh? Anyone who's been hurt by their father, anyone else who looks like a father figure, it's happening. It's happening. A brother, a mom. If someone else is a mother figure, you just automatically, you don't realize what's going on, but you're projecting what you experienced with her onto this person. And this person's just like, I just want to love you. Hello? All of this is the image that was marred that Holy Spirit is working to heal. And it all starts, well, it starts, it continues in Christmas where he's just like, I'm going to make sure that there's absolutely no way they can't see me, hear me, get to experience me. I will be human. Yeah, thank you, Lord. I can't think of anything more God than when someone decides to fully understand me. I feel loved. I feel understood. I feel connected to. Someone who has taken the time to like not argue with me, not try to correct. Come on. Not try to tell me this is what you need to think. This is what you need to do. They just sit with me. Don't forget, he came as a child first. That's what we're celebrating today. They sit with us first, and they're just like with us. Are they still seeing all the things that need to change? Of course they are. Love is not blind, people. True love sees it all and loves anyway. This is really important. So love will sit with us and just receive us as we are. And as we take them then into us, whoever they are, because they've accepted us fully, something begins to shift on the inside of us. And it's the healing of the original image that God had in mind for us. This is what God did and continues to do for all of humanity. Let me ask you this simple question. Kids, I want you to know, where is the Spirit of God being poured out right now? Do you guys know? 
Did Jocelyn ever teach you this? Any of the kids in the room? Any other Sunday schools? Where's the Spirit of God being poured out? Well, it's being poured out from our hearts, but in the Old Testament it says that He's pouring out His Spirit on everybody. Everybody. Even before this, from a history time standpoint, before this happens, Holy Spirit's pouring His Spirit out on all flesh. Now it's being poured out. Now to Kendall's point, because Holy Spirit now dwells in us, it's still being poured out, but it's being poured out from where? From us. You have the key. So I don't, I don't want to, I hope this, I'm, I'm actually talking to the Lord right now. I hope this not uh, offend you, but I feel like, like the next step of this now is that we literally become Christmas for other people. Like, we become who you are. We take ourselves, and in some cases, someone needs the baby. And we become who they need to be so that they can receive you for the first time. Hello? Are you guys with me on this? Like, there are people in our lives that just need the nativity in you. And me, not the judgment, not the opinion, not the here's the three steps for you to get better, not here, here's a phone number for counseling. <laughs> we do this way too quickly because Jesus has already been conceived in you. And so when I show up into someone's life, I can be that I can, yeah, I can be, it's weird, but I can be Mary. I can be marish. Guys, I like this idea. I like this idea that, like, the North Star or the star that led the, you know, like, that's, there's people coming because they want to see when they show up in your salon. They show up on the job. They show up when you go to breakfast. They might not know why they're there, but they're there. I'm just feeling that. I'm feeling that really strong. Like, they're, like this story that we're celebrating today and we're going to open gifts and we're going to do all the fun stuff tomorrow, like it's way more than all of that. It's so much more important. No offense, because Christmas gifts are really important. But there's something way more important. There is a gift inside here that needs to be shared. Magnetic. Magnetic. Yep. So Jesus, I pray that you be Logos in us. You so desire to be revealed that you can't help but come forth from us. I pray for every one of my friends and family here that we would make you known. That our jobs and responsibilities and duties would never hide, mar, distract, 
from who you are inside of us. But may they, all those things, those jobs, those responsibilities, all be vehicles by which people get to experience you in us. I bless every person here because you are the image of God. You are. I bless you to believe you are. And that you trust that your Father has made something incredible and it's your name. And it's who you are. And you have value to share. Share it. Give your gifts. Do all the things you do for Christmas because that's incredible. But please, share yourself. Give yourself because this God gave it all up to become human. Now, take the same image God gave you and go do the same. Go be with people. Give that image away freely to people who need to experience it. And healing will result. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Two minutes early. I love you guys. Merry Christmas. Bickery, stop fighting. You was you. It was definitely you. Love y'all. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.